You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. I've attended worship services in uh, a lot of different countries, and if you hang out with me long enough, you might hear me talk about some of the weirder experiences I've had. Like, can you pull down the sound just a smidge? Thing? Like, uh, when last fall, right before I got up to preach in Frankfurt, Germany, the praise band played that song from the radio that was popular called Take Me to Church. <laughs> Without irony, which for the record, is not a song about church, like, at all. (laughs) But nothing beats a couple years ago when I spoke at an evangelical church in Jakarta, Indonesia. I gave a talk on Saturday night and then was slated to preach at the worship service the next morning. I gave my talks in English, and they were translated into Indonesia and Malay, but all the rest of the events were in straight-up Indonesian, so a lot of times I didn't know what was being said. And you know how it's always funny to hear English words sprinkled throughout a foreign language? Like, during the announcement Saturday night, when Pastor Jason was inviting people to be sure and come back for worship the next morning, I heard Indonesian, Indonesian, Indonesia, Nadia Boltzweber, Indonesian, Indonesian, Indonesian. But then he went on for a while, and I kind of checked out until I heard Indonesian, 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 pole dancing. (laughs) Indonesian, Indonesian, pole dancing. And I smiled to myself and thought, pole dancing, that has got to mean something different here. Um, Like there was going to be some kind of traditional, you know, Indonesian folk dance with people holding poles or, you know, something like this. But the next morning when I showed up and saw the stage, I was like, hold on. Apparently, like Alleluia, pole dancing means the same thing in every language. Um, I could not make this up. Before my sermon, but after a prayer, a woman in five-inch clear heels did what I could only describe as a liturgical pole dance. to the song, As the Deer Panteth for the Water. Um, And given my own liturgical sensibilities, that just felt wrong. And I've been thinking recently about how many different forms of church there are and how few of them I enjoy or even relate to. There isn't a lot out there church-wise that is to my taste. Uh, I basically had to start a church I'd be willing to show up to. But that's all it really is when it comes down to it, taste. And I've been thinking about how easy it is to confuse my preferences and God's power. And maybe it's not just me, uh, because what do you want to bet that it only took about 20 minutes after Pentecost, like, only about 20 minutes or so after the Spirit descended on the people until we started judging other Christians. Like the, the Parthenese thought that the Medes didn't celebrate the Lord's Supper right, and the residents of Mesopotamia thought the people from Cappadocia's sermons were unnecessarily long. 
and everyone agreed that the Eliamites had terrible theology. And everyone's sure that God revealed God's truth to them and them alone. And I'm as guilty as anyone. I'm such an insufferable snob when it comes to Lutheran liturgy and theology and really just about everything else. But um, I'm so sure that salvation by grace through faith and law and gospel preaching and word and sacrament liturgy are the one true expression of the gospel because that is the expression of the gospel that I understand. The problem is that while there may be one gospel, one story about God with us, one story about God's love becoming human and healing the sick and feeding the hungry and being killed for it all and then defeating death itself, while there is only this one story, this one gospel, there are countless ways of understanding this gospel, speaking of this gospel, depicting this gospel. There are countless images and words and music and language which serve to tell that old, old story. And it's been that way since the beginning. What becomes problematic is then assuming that the way I understand God is the only way God can be understood correctly. And man, am I so guilty of this. But then I've just confused the ethos and the logos. I've just confused the wrapping paper with the gift, and it's so easy to do, to confuse loving God with loving our understanding of God. But the fact is, whether we like it or not, the God of Pentecost is not nearly as much of an elitist as we are, not even close. Wasn't it Bonhoeffer who, when asked if he was a universalist, famously answered, no, I'm not a universalist, but I do suspect that God is? <laughs> and I think a case can be made for this based on what happened that Pentecost morning so long ago. The text reads, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. In our own languages. Except that the Greek word doesn't mean language in like a broad sense. It's more like in our own idioms and slang and dialects. Which to me means that if God made God's self known in every dialect of every individual present that day, then maybe God's desire to be known and experienced is never limited to a single language or a single culture or worship style or denomination. How beautiful is that? I mean... In the Pentecost reading, we are told that there were people living in Jerusalem from every nation who gathered around when they heard those Galilean followers of Jesus tell of God's great deeds of power, but that when people heard it, they heard it in their own native language, in their own idiomatic dialect even, which is nuts because if they were living in Jerusalem, they all would have, to some extent, spoken Greek, which is the language of the empire. And yet, the spirit scoffed at using the language of imperialism and dominance. Instead, the Holy Spirit chose to reveal the truth about God's great deeds of power in Medish and Parthianese and Ebonics and Spanglish and slang and in the Queen's English and in Arabic and in Farsi and so on. Which means God is making God's self known in languages I will never understand. And look, I personally find it endlessly irritating that God's redeeming work in the world isn't politely limited to the language and theology and means that I happen to agree with. Trust me, 
But what that also means is that God's redemption is not limited to the language and theology and means of those who would seek to exclude me and you from church. Like I say, grace is a double-edged sword that way. Because, come on, what we hear about at Pentecost is what we can only describe as the sacred promiscuity of the Holy Spirit, coming to claim that person through their language and culture, and then turning around and claiming that person through their language and culture. Because the kingdom of God is not like an empire which has language laws. The kingdom of God is like a multilingual flash mob. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. Your language, my language, your kid's language, your supervisor's language, your enemy's language. There is no language God will not use. Which means that the limits we set to God's power are all about us. They are never about God. And as much as I wish everyone believed what I believe and the way I believe, God is quite undeterred by my limited creativity. Instead, God uses every language and expression available to get us. I asked some of you this week, where are some unexpected places that you have experienced God's deeds of power? And this wild spirit of God has made itself known to us in poetry slams, and AA meetings, and dance floors, and hospital beds, and Tolkien novels. You have felt the spirit in your lives by being in the army, and getting a divorce, and showing up at punk shows. I mean, the Holy Spirit is not domesticatable. She blows where she chooses. And the story of love, like the biggest love, the love of God for creation, the love of Christ for his friends, the love that could not be kept in a grave, the love that death cannot separate us from, this story of love will not be limited. It is not confined to scripture. It is not confined to Lutheran theology. It is not confined to what is said in church. It is not confined to polite company. And it is not confined to our own preferences. Which also means that, who am I to say that God isn't praised in that pole dancer at Jakarta's church? <laughs> Who's to say that just because the lyrics of that song, Take Me to Church, are for sure about sex and not about church, <laughs> that God isn't at work in the praise band in Frankfurt who might not have realized that? <laughs> I guess that this Pentecost, I am more convinced than ever that the Spirit of God is all around us, and for this I am grateful. I'm grateful that God isn't waiting for our lives to look more like a Thomas Kincaid painting, or for us to have mastered the Rosetta Stone course in the language of angels in order to speak to us. Amen. God is speaking right now. God's speaking right now, and telling the old, old story in weird and new and unexpected ways. May it always be so. Happy Pentecost. Amen. <laughs>